on this edition of Need Nothing Filter with myself, Kenny Martin, presented by only the best vodka, Grey Goose, and basketballnews.com. We have a professor of sociology, an ordained minister, an author, a scholar, a public speaker. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Michael Eric Dyson. How you doing, sir? Mr. Martin, it's great to be on your show, brother. It's a, it's a real honor. I'm great. I'm looking forward to chopping it up with you. Thank and congratulations you to your son being drafted, playing in H-Town and doing his thing. That's a beautiful thing, my man. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a proud papa, man. Like, I'm, I'm a proud papa. My eldest child dreams come true, man. Um, hey, what can you say? That's yeah. beautiful. Go hard and go on, man. Your man got it. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Hey, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, I bet, let me hold something, bro. Like, hey, you know what I'm saying? Like, got you out of my pocket finally, man. <laughs> Him and John Wall. Him and John yeah. Wall. Young Mr. Barton oh, no. and John Wall can do their thing. <laughs> you, know, you know, hey, and it's crazy. Like, he look, he's looking for furniture right now for an apartment of him. Like, John stay in the same building. So I told him, listen, hey, John went in there and asked me if they had a penthouse. We got to go look at apartments now. You don't you don't try to follow what John done. John making 40 right now. Listen. John making 40 large. You know what I'm saying? So let's not try to do that. I'll, I'll be out there to help you look. You know what I'm saying? So nah, that's what's up, man. Like I'm, He's in a good place. He, he, uh, he's around some vets that's been through something, that's had something to prove. Right. Um, a lot of uncertainty with the James thing, of course. But um. Right. I told him that that, that that ain't got nothing to do with you. That's all right. You can do all you control and get in there and work. And if that if he's there, you're gonna play with him. If he's not, you're gonna play whoever they bring in, man. So that's, that's right. That's all that matters. And respect brother Silas and what he's doing. And that's that's a beautiful thing, man. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. So born in Detroit, huh? Yes, sir. Detroit, Michigan, man. You know, my hometown, Dave Bing. See, you know, you know about yeah. that. That brother yeah. right there was See, the- I was a little after that. Like, see, believe it or not, I was born in Saginaw. Oh, wow. Okay. I was born, I had family in Saginaw. So I grew up a Pistons fan as well. A little after your Dave Bing them <laughs> days, but I'm a I'm a Isaiah and oh, Joe yeah. Dumars and Rick Mahorn guy. Like I'm man. a I'm a bad boys guy. Yes, no doubt. And there were some bad boys, man. I mean. <laughs> I mean, Zeke and them, they were putting it in. And it was so yeah. funny when I was watching the uh, last dance. <laughs> it was it was funny on both yeah. sides, right? Yeah. So it was funny to me that uh, Jordan was acting like, well, I don't know who kept him off the team, you know? <laughs> yeah. All right, that was hilarious. But then on the other side was Zeke was going with that smiling assassin. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why they didn't like us. I mean, you know, we were just giving them some roughing up. Like, y'all were trying to kill that dude. They're still man. playing the game. they still <laughs> playing the political game. Like, no, it's after the fact. Now, let's get to the truth of this. That's right. Like, let's all tell the truth here. Yeah, Jordan was like, you know, basically, even though Jordan said he's the second greatest point guard of all time behind uh, Magic, but you can tell, man, he put he, they put them, the, the bad boys were, were hammering them, man. And Jordan oh, yeah. coming through that lane, Chuck Dale is like, you ain't going to come up in here, homie. It's the and only way that you could compete with him, man. You know I'm saying you got to level the playing field at some point. <laughs> you leveled I, him and the playing field. <laughs> yeah, like he out here destroying you day in, day out. Like it's like when we were playing the late, great Kobe Bryant when I was in Denver, right? Right. Like he torching us, right? So well, when we in the playoffs, so one, he bringing the ball up the floor. I just started running at him to get the ball out of his hand. 
Like you got to do something. Like right, they too right. good. Like you playing one on one and all this. Like they entirely too good in order for you just to let them dudes play one on one. Like it's yeah, man. I saw some of those that. games with y'all, man. I yeah, saw when y'all were in the conference finals. Remember that in uh... yeah, battling, battling. Like, yeah, he was Brother. like he took it upon himself. Like, nah, they ain't got nobody out here to check me, man. So we're <laughs> gonna get this thing going. Kobe Bean. Yeah, yeah, y'all were. Those were some days, man. Those were yeah. some days. So let's talk early childhood. Um, were your parents big? Like, or were they professors or oh, educators, no. or, or, or they were no. hardworking, blue collar, good old Detroit? Uh, yes, sir. Hardworking, blue collar people. My daddy was um, master setup man for Kelsey Hayes Will Breaking Drum Company, okay. and my mother was at home for the longest, and then she became a, a teacher's assistant in uh, the Detroit Public Schools, an associate there. You know, she was a brilliant woman. She is a brilliant woman. Now she's 82 years old, love my mama. Daddy left out of here in 81, very early. But my mother, a brilliant woman, but she came up in the South in a time when they didn't believe in, you know, supporting women in education. And even though she got a full ride to a, um, to a to a college and then you know her father might have would have to pay some money or something he didn't want you know that to be the case that his daughter you know would go to school in that way which was tragic because she's such a brilliant woman yeah and my father man basically gave great education so he's from albany georgia mama came in from hyssop alabama 15 miles from alexander city where t.o uh was reared gotcha. And so they came to Detroit, man. And then he was, like I said, working in the factory. And when he got laid off there, he didn't want to go on welfare. He started a grass cutting and siding business, all of us, the Dyson and Sons. And okay. we were the Sons. And so, we were out okay. there hustling, man, from, <laughs> from early on. People used to laugh at us, and them, them Dyson boys always working. But that's why I got a work ethic, brother. That's yeah. why I got a work ethic to this day, because that man instilled it in us, him and my mama. So yeah, it came yeah, that's up- funny that you say that. Like. Uh- I joke and well, not joke. I say this to people now about like will, things that our our black men and black people are willing and not willing to do. And I'm I ask people, how many black owned landscaping services have you seen? Wow, yeah, that's true. That's like, true. Just think about it. Like I, I, I ask people that, so it's funny. Like get like your dad did this then. Like he was. Right. Oh, had the yeah. wherewithal then to do that, you know. So no, right. they just oh, testing man. that him, him finding a way to take care and provide for his family. That you know what, and that's what it was, man. And he refused. You know, he was a proud black man. He said, "I'm gonna do what I gotta do, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take care, you know, my family, and I'm gonna get my boys out here working." It was five five boys, man, and three of us were for sure out there doing that work. And yeah. uh, it saved us from the tough streets of Detroit. Other people were out there doing uh, all kind of underground activities and stuff. Unfortunately and tragically, uh, the third oldest brother ended up uh, getting implicated in the drug business himself and then uh, got put in prison for murder. We believe it's a murder he didn't commit, but he was there for 30 years and died a couple of years ago. So that was a rough way to go. But those streets were uh, nothing nice and nothing nothing uh nothing you know conducive to trying to create better black manhood so my father was very serious laid the hammer down and kept us safe in the process 
and and demanding the educational part in the process as well. Absolutely. He used to bring home when it you know, he would work the when he would work the afternoon shift. So he'd go to work at three and come home at 11 30, 12 o'clock that night. And he worked a lot of overtime, but he would dinner, you know, lunchtime, he would bring home cats. He would say, Hey Michael, this 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 young man right here going to college. So he was at the factory doing his thing, but he was showing me this is an example because he knew I had a deep interest in education. So he wanted to make sure that I had an example because he couldn't provide it, but he wanted to make sure I was provided that kind of example of young men uh, that he met at the factory who were invested in education. That was a beautiful thing, man. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Now for him to, like you said, he knew what his limitations at the time was. And he right. had to provide for you guys, but like you said, giving you that positive influence that's of exactly. somebody who you can strive to be or be better than. Like that's, right. yeah, and and having a father in the house to do that was great. You know, they're like, I wish I could have experienced some of those same yeah. same things as a kid. You know, I grew up single mother, single mother household, me and my sister. So finding things out and doing things, like I, I tell people all the time, I never saw a positive example of anything. Like you know I'm saying, coming back. Like I have 10, 11, 12 childhood friends. Like right. none of us grew up with fathers in the house. So we was figuring it out on our own. Yeah, that's you know, crazy. so just yeah, getting in trouble, figuring it out and things like that. I was yeah. I was blessed and fortunate enough to stay out of the big trouble. Right, right. You know, right. Exactly. You know me no. avoiding the police and doing everything mischievous that didn't lead to me dealing with the police. And that was I don't know where it came from. It was part of my mom because I, I knew she had that that, that rod at the house. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that probably I said so that kept me from doing a lot of things, man. Yeah, but it was exactly. it's a blessing to have black fathers in the house. You know what I'm saying? I'm, right, right. No, it's uh, it was a tremendous blessing, and you know, and he wasn't my birth father, but he's the only father I knew. I didn't really meet yeah. my birth father until last year. And then he died this year. I met him one time, man. Oh, that's but my father, the one who reared me, the one who yeah. loved me, the one who protected me. You know, that's who my daddy was. Okay. And, so, uh, so can I ask you this? Yeah. So recently, uh, my 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 dad has come into the fray mm-hmm. and right. want to have a relationship with me. Right, right, right. You you said you just recently. That's was right. it just did you got to know him recently or he just reached out to you or you reached out to him like how did it is it was yeah, it by chance you mind me asking so no not at all my one my who turned out to be my brother stepbrother yeah. but brother you know that he had said I, he wrote me an email saying i think you may be my brother <laughs> and i have been looking for my father for look i'm 62 years old now i've been looking for him for 60 years man yeah and you know, uh, he wrote that letter. He gave me some, you know, s- things. I asked my mama. She said, yep, that sounds right. Turned out to be the case. Yeah. It was him because he was, you know, older. He died at 80. Okay. You know, this year, but he had a rough life, alcoholism and a lot of other stuff, man. Horrible. When I met him, it was, it was, it was not a great situation, not a great gotcha. scene. But he had reached out because he had told my brother that he had another son because he thought he was the oldest. Turned out to be I was the oldest. Yeah. And he was like, you know, one thing led to another. So he connected with me. 
and there it was, man. It was a painful thing. I, I got to tell you, bro. Yeah. Uh, I but imagine that being sixty, yeah, because I'm because I'm fighting that right now. Yeah. You know, dude, like he's reaching out, like I, I don't want to be sixty and then he passed away. I don't know. I like, I, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like I'm fighting that fight right now, like within myself. Like, damn, like you wasn't around for these first forty. Like, right. like, like, why and things like that. So yeah, going through that, it's all yeah. So we can relate yeah, in that aspect a little that's bit. The, that's true. And then I was, and I'm gonna tell you to be honest with you too. I ain't never told nobody this. So, you know, and I sat there, man. My wife was there, and I'm asking him, "Why did you do this, man? You knew you had a son." And and my brother was there, the guy that reached out to yeah. me, and his name is Michael, just like my name. <laughs> I like the name Michael. <laughs> yeah, that's right. you know, I guess the, you know his mother did, and my mother. Yeah. So, you know, he's sitting there, my wife's sitting there, and he's sitting there in the chair, man, small guy. And my, I, I remember the only thing my mama told me about him is that, well, he used big words like you use big words. So I was like, wow. So I wanted to meet this dude. Like, is that yeah. where I got it from? What's up with that? And I'm talking to Cat, man, and um, and it's, I'm tears welling up in my eyes. I'm like, man, you know, you know what's the deal? And then he started explaining to me the cops were after him, you know, and it was on some petty stuff. He wasn't even, he, he wasn't doing no crime or nothing. Yeah, yeah. He, 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 no, he was like something small. And he left the city. And even his other son, Michael, said, but yeah, but you knew my man was, you knew he was here. I was yeah. like, why did you just disappear, man? Why didn't you come, you know, look for me? Why didn't you, you, you knew I was on the way. Yeah. And... You can't really get the answer, man. I mean, it's not satisfactory. Yeah, to yeah, you. yeah it, it ain't gonna be satisfactory because there's because you as being a father, me being a father now, like no matter the circumstance. That's like, right. No matter the circumstance, whatever's going on, man. When I laid my eyes on, my, I'm a father of six. Right. When I laid my eyes on my son, my my eldest, for the first time, I vowed right then and there. That's right. Like that's right. I'm gonna be there no matter what. Can can't nobody whatever. keep me from it? Like no, whatever. like whatever I got to do. Like no matter whatever. the circumstances, no matter the situation, I'm gonna do what I got to do. Whatever you got to do. And then I was the same way, man, with my son because yeah. I was a teen father. Yeah, yeah. Um. And I said, you know, I'm gonna be right there. I ain't going nowhere. I was, you know, right there with him. Me and me and his mother, you know, split up. She didn't wasn't feeling me. Didn't love me. This must be a Kenyon Martin's confession hour, man. Hey, listen, we got some of the same, the similar stories here, man. So you in me, you over here, Oprah in me, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was like, you know, she didn't love me. She, she's gone. I what? I, I had to fight, go to court to fight to see my son. They always blaming black men. Oh, y'all don't want to see your sons. You don't want to be with your kids yeah. and your father. And I was out here fighting for him. And eventually, you know, he lived with me for a little bit from the ages of three to five. Then his mama got him back. Then I got remarried after that and uh, was denied access to him. I had to go to court, all that. Then when she couldn't handle him when he was 12. Yeah. Now you now, now you need me. You know what I'm saying? Now you want, yeah. Now, yeah. And that's the story. That's the way it goes. Because he start is, tuning man. you out and I'm he ain't listening. Bro. He ain't cleaning the room. He ain't doing the schoolwork. He, he exactly. out here running with different people. Oh, it's the whole, oh, it's the, uh, yeah. That's what I do. That's what I do over here. I, I, I teach people how to go to school. That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> I got I this. I got oh, this. So my thing is, dang, can I get a shot here? So finally, you know, you sent him at 12. My mama said, you can steer him. But you can't raise them at that age. Right? My mama yeah. throwing that wisdom on you. Like, 
And I was yeah. telling you know his mother, like, come on, you know, you you got to help, you got to let me help shape this young man. Yeah. But he's now is forty two years old. I got a forty two yeah. year old man. I got to, <laughs> my age. That's right, exactly. You know, so uh, but we're tight, and that's my man. Yeah, and that's I good was, that you like, yeah that, that it was able to come around, man. And you like you said, you fall for him, and it worked out. You know what I'm saying not every situation does, but that one worked out, and I'm honored, man. I'm great. To hear that, man. Need a gift idea for the Grey Goose drink amongst your friends and family? Click over to greygoose.com and grab a Grey Goose Holiday Punch Cocktail Kit. The Grey Goose Holiday Punch Cocktail Kit will be delivered to your door, and it comes with everything you'll need to make a holiday punch. Grey Goose Vodka, pomegranate juice, sweetened black tea, martini Rossi Prosecco, and even the garnishes. The perfect gift for the person who has everything like me. Save yourself the time and house of shopping in person and let only the best vodka Grey Goose do the work for you. Sip responsibly. Imported by Grey Goose Importing Company, Coral Gables, Florida. Vodka, 40% alcohol by volume, distilled from French wheat. And so speaking of the education, you went uh, Knoxville College first? Yes, sir. Went to Knoxville College. Went to historically Got your Black bachelor's. Got my That's bachelor's, bachelor's I there. I was 21 when I went there. Yeah, See? okay, yeah, because you, you had to get a job at 19. You worked in the factories, right? You All worked in the factories at 19. Factory on the street, cleaning up, shoveling snow, uh, painting yeah. houses, doing the grass cutting inside. And look, I was doing everything I could yeah. uh, to make ends meet. You know, like uh, Drake says on this new BB King freestyle, you know, everything I had to do, that's what I was doing. And uh, except for the illicit stuff. So I did that, then went to college at 21 down in Knoxville College, man. I said, I got to have a better future for my son. So I figured out how to get to uh, to college and to a school. And some people at my church had actually gone to Knoxville College. So one thing led to another. I called them up. I sent them my transcripts. And they they said I could come down. And Sam Cook said I grabbed an armful of Greyhound (laughs) (laughs) from from Detroit down to knoxville tennessee man yeah okay and then from there um you went yep. carson newman's university that was Mag- about- Gra- graduated magnum cum laude i tried to put the work in brother i was working in two factories but i i come home you know i come to school sometime in my overall coveralls with the grease on me i was a cleaner and degreaser yeah laughing at me i said i'm getting my lesson homie i'm up yeah, here hey. you know so what i went you gotta to do man i got to do what i had to do i went from that to pastoring two churches, three churches while I was down there. So I said, I'm going to do what I got to do, bro, yeah. uh, to make ends meet with a family, son, and a wife at that point. So, yeah, man, you know, went on to uh, Carson Newman College and eventually graduated from there with my bachelor's degree in philosophy. Yeah, and you were um, kind of young when you were ordained as a minister, man, like as a pastor, like 19, right? Yeah, yeah, I came up, you know, I accepted my calling at 18, 19, and yeah. then officially – at right before my you know 21st birthday right after then i got licensed and ordained okay. the next year so i've been 41 years i've been okay. preaching out here bro all right now you've been doing it for a while preaching the word and giving people hope man and inspiration now that's that. need more gentlemen like yourself out here man like i, well, I can honestly you. say that man you you're big and you you hold value in in this crazy world that we're in now like you oh, definitely are needed bless you sir bless you for that i appreciate you yeah so 
your dissertation was you was was you used some words in your dissertation that I probably have never seen, never heard of, or probably will ever use in my lifetime. <laughs> but uses of heroes, celebration of and criticism in the interpretation of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. Yes, sir. Man, you did your work, doctor. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> asked me about that dissertation in 15 years. Though. Yeah, like I'm trying to do something different here, Mike. I'm, yeah. I'm saying I don't no want doubt. this to be the no normal doubt. sports podcast. We come <laughs> on and we talk sports and music and then we like, all right, thank you for your time. Like, no, I'm, I'm saying we're not going to do that here. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm trying but to do this thing different, man. But no. Yeah, because I'm I didn't grow up. Like education wasn't pushed the way it probably should have been. Cause right, mother right. was doing other things. Like it was, like I said, I grew up in a single mother house. So it was a lot of, right. a lot of trials, a lot of tribulations in my childhood and things like that. So, so education wasn't pushed in a way that in the, in the school system, nor at home. Right, right, right. right. You know, so I didn't pick up books and read regular till I got older. You know, so right. me hearing about like dissertations and things that people do those on and all that, like I'm intrigued by, like I'm right. intrigued by the collection of books that you have behind you. Like that's, oh, yes, like, that's yeah, 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 that's yeah. stuff that intrigued, like, like, damn, you read all them books, man. Like that's, yeah. And, and like, I'm in awe of that. Like I'm in awe of education. I'm in awe of black men doing positive things like yourself. Like I'm that, that, that drives me to be better. Right, right. No, bless you for that. Well, that's uh, that's humble of you. That that kind of vulnerability and transparency is beautiful because you know you as one of the great beasts and legendary figures uh, in sport that I watched that that brought me pleasure. You know, as I was uh, struggling in my life, and I would turn the TV on and see you coming down them rebounds and beat you know and and knocking people down coming through the middle and doing your thing. But it was uh, an inspiration to me, so I'm glad that it's been a reciprocal one. And we all, you know, we come from where we come from, and we use what we have to get what we need. And so obviously you derive tremendous life lessons from the deprivation you experience, from the hardship you experience, from not having, you know, a, you know, a father there in the home and not necessarily always having your mother present because, you know, when you're a single parent, you know, there's a lot of stuff you're doing. Your kids don't even understand. You got to make ends meet and do a whole bunch of stuff. So that's yeah, that's definitely. a hardship in its own right. Yeah, and there's things uh, going on. There's always food on the table. You don't know how. There's Christmas gifts when you don't know how. Like, come on, man. Yeah, yeah, all that. And that's 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 the the brilliance and power of a black woman and a black mother is extraordinary and exceptional. So, you know, and I had that push and I had that inspiration. And what my father couldn't provide, he opened me up to other people. My pastor, my church, yeah. who was uh, a brilliant man. That's where I really began. You know. Uh, my teachers in school were so important to me. My fifth grade teacher, Mrs. James, taught us all about black history. Uh, that was later that year, uh, Dr. King died. And that was an inspiration to me to learn more about him. It uh, impacted me in a very fundamental way uh, to provide me you know, some inspiration to move forward and to use words like he used words. Because when I saw his last speech, I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight we as a people will get to the promised land. I was like, man, who is that? Yeah. I was like, what is he looking like? I'm like, wow, that's what I want to do. You know, so like, like, like a, a, an athlete looking at, 
you know, in your generation, say like a Dr. J or looking for, you know, at a Connie Hawkins and looking at those figures. I was looking at Dr. King going, man, like I want to do that thing right there. And that was deeply and profoundly inspirational to me. And then my pastor, my church, my fifth grade teacher, my sixth, seventh grade, all those teachers, man, my seventh grade teacher, Mr. Burdett. I remember once on the loudspeaker at school in junior high, they said, uh, if you're interested in um, oratorical contests, come to the room. And I was like, I was with my partner, Greg White. I was like, oratorical, what does that mean? I don't even know what that means. All right. So I said, all right, we'll go up there. Let's go up there. So after school, we went up to Mr. Burdett's room. We said, uh, what does oratorical mean? He said, oh, it means giving a speech. I said, oh, no, that's all right. He said, no, stick around. I said, nah, I'm good. He said, no, why don't you think about it? Ended up sticking around, got involved, won the speech contest. My man Greg came in like second, third. You know, this is my man. You know, he might have been second, actually. So. And his brother was like a prodigy, you know, going to college when he was 14, right? Barry White. So he was like, you know, uh, a legend in our community. (laughs) And so Mr. Burdett got me to write the speech because you had to write the speech two minutes and you had to memorize it. And so I did that, won the local contest, won the, uh, you know, the regional contest. And I did that two years in a row. So that started off my kind of oratorical, you know, uh, preoccupations, giving speeches in public and that kind of thing. So, yeah, man, it you know, when you meet the right kind of teachers and the right kind of preachers and the right kind of folk in your life, it makes a big difference in terms of how you're able to um, to see your life and change, you know, your prospects, your outlook because of education. Education is critical. It's valuable. It's central uh, to us as a people, of course. And you're, you know, providing an opportunity, you know, not not having what you wanted. And yet you are obviously extremely well-educated. You don't have to be formally educated, but you're deeply and profoundly intelligent. And regardless of what the formal uh, lack was, the the, the ability, because of the lifestyle you've led, the ability to grow, to absorb knowledge and to take that in, that's extremely important as well. Because I tell people, you know, schooling is one thing, education is another. So Definitely. schooling is, you, you know, you, you go to an institution and they teach you something and you try to learn. Education is a lifelong situation where you continue to internalize those values and learn as much as you can. So, you know, that's why we on this uh, lifelong pilgrimage, man. And, and those people were extremely uh, valuable to me. As well, well put. Yeah, I, I, I like that. You can be schooled, you can be educated. Yeah, I, I like that. You know, what I'm so I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna definitely put that in my repertoire. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it. No doubt yeah, about so it. Yeah. So you started writing then in speeches and written over like 14 or more books, correct? Like how many books? Like I'm up, is to, it? Uh, I'm up to knock number 23 right now, man. Oh, see, I'm sure to see. I, I, I I'm short. I'm uh, yeah. All see, right. I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm nine off. Book. But no, that's it. That's so. That's. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's a lot of knowledge out there to give. You've written books on uh, it was Bill Cosby, right? Um, yes, the Nas, Illmatic, Jay Z. Yeah. Uh, yes, there sir. will be tears, like so many. Like yeah, of those it. books, the 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 Jay Z and the Nas and other things of that nature. Yes, what inspired sir. those? Like, what what inspired you to do those kind of writings? Well, you know, uh, and thanks for acknowledging those. You know, I was inspired to do that, man, because look, when I was, you know, so I go to college at 79. That's when hip hop is born above ground. 
I'm 21 years old. I'm a teen father, you know, and I know my son is going to be getting into this. So let me, let me, you know, right along with him. Well, a hip hop, a hip into the hobby started that way, but then it got, you know, in the gangster rap, you know, NWA and them came out. My son is 10 years old after police arrest said it with authority, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So I started hearing, all right after police coming straight from the underground the young right. brother got it bad because i'm bad brown, cause I'm brown. yeah no police think they have the authority, authority to kill a minority <laughs> yeah i'm with so, you that was my childhood as well me and your son the same age so that's, that's right, my childhood that's right, right? and i was like yo i gotta talk to him about that calling women to be words and stuff i gotta teach him about what they're doing on art and a record but you know your respect for women has to be ironclad and so when he would come to visit me in the summers and he would be begging me you the man you a man how come you can't keep me man i want to stay with you you know that was killing me man yeah that yeah was killing me bro <laughs> i was like well your mother you know was there man but i was on the inside i'm going like golly yeah. you know he's like you the man why can't you just keep me man why i want to stay with you i was like lord have mercy so you're good you're getting you know, all this knowledge and all these uh, all these gifts over here. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, you don't want, yeah, you're getting it around his pops, his pops dig it, his pop letting him listen to rap, hip hop, yeah. you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, he ain't telling me I can't listen to it, he teaching me about it, but yeah, he, he letting me listen to it. That's right, I'm letting him listen to it. I'm let, you know, I know you're gonna listen to it away from me, so let's yeah. not pretend you ain't checking it out, so let me listen to it with you. So Definitely. that's what we did, man. And then when Nas came out, you know, 94 a few years later, you know, it's only right that I was born to use mics of the stuff that I write. It's even tougher than dice. I'm taking rap into a new plateau through rap slow. My rhyming is a vitamin hell without a capsule. So I was like, yo, man, let me break some of this stuff down. Let me share with you what's going on. So we grew up together, basically. Okay. And, you know, but so my interest in hip hop sprang from that. Uh, And then understanding that it's a far more complicated and nuanced and sophisticated kind of art form that people are not really, you know, paying sufficient attention to Mm -hmm. and not understanding uh, that it's a a far more complicated uh, social and cultural expression than they acknowledge. And I wanted to talk about it. So I was one of the first people in the academy to write about it. They used to clown me, man. I got a Ph.D. from Princeton in religion speaking two languages you know outside german and french outside of english had to use that to translate passages and pass to get a master's degree and so on so you got all this you at the ivy league school you're doing all that stuff and you up with the chuck d because my first essay i wrote the first uh official professional piece i wrote i was a second year graduate student and I say professional because they paid me fifty dollars to write it. Yeah, so I, you got paid. You was professional. I, I, <laughs> you got paid to do it. <laughs> right, Chuck D. Elvis was a hero to most, but he never meant to me. Straight up racist. The sucker was simple and plain. Mother and John Wayne. Already I'm hyped because I'm amped. So, yeah. so I wrote about um, rap, race, and reality, man. And it's like, why are you wasting your time? You got a PhD. You at Princeton. You at Ivy League. Why are you fooling with these? rappers and stuff and yeah. i'm like bruh now everybody and their mama doing it and then it's a global phenomenon the most <laughs> you know uh popular uh musical expression in the world people teaching and when i was teaching it you're teaching at yeah. a school and now you have a phd and you're studying you're teaching uh popular music and you're teaching yeah. Rap music, yeah, bro. That's what well, I do. NASA class at colleges, history of hip hop and jazz, like NASA right, class. Bro. 
<laughs> what it is. Now it's out here. Now people, yeah. they, people who didn't get a college education, people who got a, a, a dropped out, a Nas dropped out in the eighth grade. He got a dude with a PhD writing about his stuff. That's how yeah. cold he is. Jay-Z never yeah. graduated from high school. You know, God yeah. forgive me for my brash delivery, but I remember vividly what, what these streets what did these to streets me. Imagine did me allowing you to nitpick at me, portray me like a pickaninny. Pick he got it. I, would, gotta, I would literally kiss Cece in the forehead, tell her, please forgive me, and squeeze into your forehead. Forehead. You know, <laughs> you know he called his niece TT, right? So my daughter name is Sierra, so I call him Cece. So I just flipped the name. I just flipped the word in it. You know. Right. So, so speaking of Jay Z, like I've read and know that you're fond of him, and as right. a man, but as a hip hop lyricist, as a, as an entrepreneur, as right as a philanthropist and like all of that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I didn't, I heard Jay-Z when I first got to the University of Cincinnati in 1996, right? Wow. I was big, I grew up on Scarface and NWA. I'm from Scarface Dallas, of course. Up. Yeah, Scarface so so this, on, bro. yeah, Scarface. they mention all these greats and all this and they never mention him. And I, and it, and it gets up under my skin. They all oh, big this, big that. I'm oh, like, man. okay, I give y'all big, but you can't say big without mentioning face because big saying his lyrics, Scarface came to New York. I want to be him. Come on, come on, so, man. Like, like Jay, I heard Jay-Z for the first time, and I was like, because I'm used to like, like I'm Scarface lyrical, UGK, right. A ball and MJG, like guys that could actually rap. Right, so, right. But but when I heard Hove, it was it was a difference. Right, 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 right. Just right. the delivery, the message, and the and the wordplay like that he was using and the, how he was putting it together. And from day one, when I heard Reasonable Doubt, actually, I heard probably the Rough Rider soundtrack first. Mm, right, What's my right. name? Jigga. So I heard that song, and then I'm like, who is this guy? Right. So, right. but ever since I've been, I've been ingrained. And everything that he's done, everything that he's put out, everything, every move that he's made in the business world. Right. Um, but yeah, you're fond of Jay-Z. Like, well, what, oh, like, yeah. did you, like, from day one, had it been that? Or, or over time, you just dissected like you do everything else? Yeah, no, no. It's a great point you're making, man. And 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 look, because I was a Nas guy, straight up. Nas is a straight genius, and I knew yes. that, right? Uh, I need a new for this black cloud, dark cloud to follow because while it's over me, it's too dark to see tomorrow. That buck that bought a bottle could have struck the lotto. So, man. you know, 19 years old, spending that, 20 years yeah. old, at least like, man, realizing <laughs> the realism of life and actuality, you know, with uh, AZ. So anyway, yeah. so, you know, I was a straight, straight, big Nas fan. Still am. Okay. But, you know, uh, I remember couple of my students at school were like, yo, man, you know, you, you know, I know you love not, you know, Nas, but you sleeping on Jay, you know, Mark and Peterson and, and then uh, Killer Mike, uh, you know, I was down in Atlanta and he was like, you know, one of the reasons why, and we, I was, I was at a book signing. I don't know if it was the college, you know, so like 2000. So I was at a book signing. So it might've been for race rules. Uh, one of the books I wrote in the late nineties. So Killer Mike is there and he's uh, he's like, yo, man, you know, uh, we look at you because you're such an open minded dude. You you defend hip hop uh, when you're people your age is dog and stuff. He said, but, you know, I don't think you really giving Jay his due. 
Yeah. So I was like, all right. So my, my two students, Mark Hill, James Peterson, now my man, uh, Killer Mike is telling me, I said, let me go on and listen to my man, right? Yeah. And I started listening. I was like, well, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm the place where the church is the flakiest. It's been playing to God so long that they atheists. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, okay. This dude is putting it in. And like you said, the cleverness, the lyricism, the wordplay. So, you know, you had to when he says Biggie, Jay-Z, or Nas. And when he said that lyric on Reasonable Doubt, it wasn't true then. I mean, it yeah. wasn't true to people. They were checking for Biggie. They were checking for Nas, but they weren't putting Jay-Z up in there already. He understood what his position was. He understood his greatness, man. Yeah. And uh, it was beautiful to see that. And so I came to him on pure lyricism, on pure talent, listening to him. And then when I started listening, I couldn't stop, man. I listened to all of his corpus of, you know, his body of music. And I was like, man, this dude is a genius too. This dude has got tremendous skills, you know? Uh, and he could talk about anything like, you know, and, and what probably sealed it is our, on 9-11 on is when he dropped Blueprint. Yep. And I dropped on that day my book on Tupac, right? Called Holla If You Hear Me. Yep. So on the same day, you know, we had product out there. <laughs> Already. And, and I remember where I was. Like, I, I wish I would have been in the reading literature then. Like, I remember where I was when Blueprint came out. Like, I was in Australia. I was wow. at USA Basketball, um, playing in Australia with USA Basketball. And I remember yeah. when it came out and I got back to L.A. Like, I got to go get this. Oh man, that's and that's where I had the bootleg copy, but I needed the real thing. <laughs> right, wasn't no download, wasn't no streaming. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I had to go actually purchase it. Yeah, I remember Kenny Smith. I'm saying we were out there, and Kenny Smith had a copy of it. Oh like, wow! Yo, I need to get that. Planted. <laughs> I got my hands on a copy of it. We were not. I like yo. I, yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm, that's when we stand yeah. in the lines at Tower Records. Yes, you know, dropped at midnight. Let me let me wait in line. Definitely go, all that, all that. Oh man. So, it was so yeah. So you uh, wrote about Jay-Z's Made in America, correct? Yeah, like yeah, that's man. like that was like the Made in America, right? Yeah, yeah. Made in America. Jay-Z Made in America. That's my book about him. So I focus on his hustling. I focus mm -hmm. on his rhetoric and his poetry, his rhyme skills, and then I focus on his politics. Because a lot of people don't give him credit for that, man. Because he's been down with the politics from the beginning, but he understood he had to he had to frame it in such a way that people would pay attention to it. That he had to package it in such a way that people had to know that, yeah, I can talk about party and BS, as Biggie said, and I can, when the rim is in the system, ain't no telling, will I love him, will I diss him? I can do that. But I also can talk about, you know, Ben Laden, Ben happening in Manhattan back when, back then, the police was out kind of the black man. man. Yeah. Like, Yo, <laughs> all right. We dropped missed that. Serious man. knowledge on these it. people. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. We that's... together. He dropped nine, you know, nine eleven. He he drops blueprint, and I drop my book on Pac. And like I said, neither one of us went off the road. Both of us stayed on the road because people were like going home, and I was supposed yeah. to be in the World Trade Center on the day it went down, signing books. Oh wow! But they changed yeah. at the last minute. They switched me. Okay, God work. Going to Boston. And Doc, I mean, I could have been up in that building, man. Yeah, and I'm releasing this. my book on Tupac 
who can do it all. Much respect to those who keep things. The check. Oh, check. Dave Smith sweater brother majorly, but then he had some of the politics too. Just the other day, I got lynched by some crooked cops, and to this day, them same cops on the beat getting major pay. But when I get my check, they taking tax out, so we paying the cops to knock the blacks out. So I was like, yo, hip hop yeah. is a form of poetry, pavement poetry from these young cats, men and women, Lauren Hill, even after all my logic and my theory, I add an MF so you ignorant, hear me? I mean, yeah. that's the golden age. Yes. And, and they were spitting some serious stuff. So, so let me just ask, uh, and I'm, I'm not gonna hold you too much longer, Doc. No, Doc let me, the fact that you're ordained minister, and the language and things and things that are said within some of this music that you have dissected, how do you, how do you depict or how do you decide? Like, what do you right, right, right. think about the, just the some of the language that some guys use in their music? Like, how well, how is that for you? I tell people what's more obscene: the music that they are presenting, the lyrics that they're talking the words they're using or the obscenity of the condition against which they are fighting. What's more obscene Enough is said. poverty. What's Enough more obscene said. is social injustice. What's more obscene yes. is racial injustice. Now, I disagree with yes. the demonization of women and uh -huh. misogyny. So I, you know, I have to check yes. that. I have to, you know, say, nope, that ain't cool. I told my son. But in the broader perspective about what they're representing, you talking about a cat like a scarface yeah. who's been a legend. For how long? I thank the Lord every morning he allows me to wake. I mean, that dude was spitting yeah. pure knowledge, right? Paint, paint, paint pictures early. Paint pictures, Doc. I mean, <laughs> man. Um, so when I hear them, I say the obscenity is a society that refuses to recognize their humanity. The gotcha. obscenity is a society that relegates them to the periphery of the culture and puts them in ghettos and slums and project hallways. And so that's the obscenity. I'm not going to get upset at them using some curse words because they're yeah. using words because they've been cursed by a society that refuses to acknowledge their humanity. So that's what I do. And I take it. Let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you another secret. I, I just gave an interview for a magazine that a lot of people are going to be surprised I'm in. I'm going to just leave it at that. I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about it. Yeah. Now, so let's piggyback on. So let's piggyback <laughs> on that one. So you did an essay, One Love, Two Brothers, Three Verses. Yes, sir. Argues that the, argues that the current um, U.S. penal system disfavors young black males more than any other segment of the population. Absolutely and that, right. And that goes back to what you were just saying about the thing, the way that hip hop is expressed, the way that they have to express themselves, things that they've been through, things that the way society has, has treated black men for for centuries now, you know, it ain't just started, it's been going on forever. And that just speaks on that as well. Absolutely. Great point. And that's about, you know, one verse, what did I say? One mic, two, one, I don't know what it, what it is. One love, two brothers, one three love, verses. Right. And it's about one love from Nas. And it's about him writing a letter and getting letters written to him, which are the three verses in the song yeah. about his, you know, from prison and my yeah. brother, you know, two brothers, me and my brother who's in prison. So yeah, I yeah. linked up Nas writing letters, I'm writing letters. Nas getting letters, I'm getting letters. You know, and the penal system has been vicious. As I said, my brother was in prison for 30 years, man. And they rip people off. You gotta, they call you collect, they, you know, charging your mama money. 
you know, she ain't got that kind of dough before they worked it out where you could put money on your card and call. Yeah. You know, the privatization of prisons is big business. Huge. Uh, locking people away. You're putting a lot of black men and women in prison for nonviolent drug offenses. Horrible yeah. denial of our humanity. And the penal system has been corrupted by putting black folk in jail and prison for stuff that white folk get away with. You know, white kids don't do that, Johnny. Stop yeah, that, definitely. Sally. Black kids. It's a timeout points. A timeout. Come on, bro. Timeout. You go to detention. Detention yeah. puts you in the jail. Jail feeds you in the prison. The 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 school to prison pipeline is right there. And so stuff that that white kids do, black kids do as well. But black kids go to prison. Black kids go to jail. Black kids get you know arrested, whereas white kids get a pass. Get yeah. a second chance. And I'm glad that they get a second chance. It's just that we need a second chance as well. Chance as well. They were trying yeah. to put my son in prison for 10 years down in North Carolina when I was a professor at UNC for a roach clip. <laughs> like, come on, bruh. First of all, I know y'all smoking. So yeah. stop with the bull crap. Yeah. And then secondly, I had to hire OJ's lawyer, one of his lawyers from his case in LA. Cause he lived in North Carolina just to defend my son over a roach clip. Come on, brother, <laughs> over a roach clip. You tripping over a roach clip, you know? And that's the kind of that's the kind yeah, of yeah, the, that leads us. Definitely, you got women in jail. Look, the woman in jail who lied about her area code. Hers, you know. Yes. Like, so a kid right? can go to school, a better school. Come on, man. Like, but people paying, and she in jail for five years. But the but the white folk who out here paying hundreds of thousands of dollars for their kids to get into school to say that yeah. they uh oh they're playing volleyball don't even know nothing about no volleyball not oh, at all they're in Bruges or they're in some sport don't know nothing about it paying hundreds yeah. of thousands of dollars in jail for one month in jail yeah, for less than two months come on yeah they get to pay a fine and then on, slap bro. on the wrist and come then on. that same same piggyback on the same story that same university was recruiting my son at the time. Wow. And the whole scandal was going on, so they had to stop recruiting my son because they didn't want to seem like it was preferential treatment. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? Isn't that something? Isn't that something? something? They're going to they gonna hold us to account with a double, yeah, triple, but, triple standard. Yeah. And white folk just sailing through, bruh. Yep, just sailing exactly, through. Exactly what it is. Nobody man. is suspicious or skeptical, so they can get yeah. away with stuff. This is like with white folk, and I ain't mad. They're like, yo, you know, you're not looking at my card for the drugs, and they got plenty of them. Yeah, they, that's where it's at. Come on, you got if you got more disposable income, it stands a reason you got more drugs because you can yeah, afford more than anybody black or black. Clint Eastwood in the movie Mule. Right. Prime example. Oh my God! Come on, I love that movie too. I, I'm, too a, I'm a huge Clint Eastwood fan, Doc. Yeah, but it's prime example, though. Huh? Prime example. Like he would have never got. Like he just moves around. The biggest distributor between here in Chicago oh. and ain't nobody know nothing. Just an old white man. Huh? Yeah. 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 He can't be doing it. He can't be doing it. Come on, bro. <laughs> he out there. He out there doing his thing. So. Yeah. You know, that's 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 the reality we confront. And that's why I do what I do. That's why I write what I write. That's why I think what I think. Those are the kind of classes I teach to really make people more aware of the disparities and the injustice that exists out here. And that's why I study hip hop. That's why I listen, teaching classes on Kendrick Lamar, teaching a class on Beyonce, teaching a class on Jay, on Nas, on Tupac, 
so these people can understand. These are great poets too. I know Shakespeare was great. I know Milton was great. I know Pope was great, but Hove is great. But Nas is great. Uh, Lauren Hill is great. Um, you know, K-Dot is great. So I'm saying, yeah, they, how dare you? Are you saying, yes, I'm saying that. I'm saying Definitely. these are great poets. I'm saying they have lyricism. They have they have knowledge. I mean, you know, Rakim standing by the speaker. Suddenly I had a fever, wasn't me or either. Summer madness, because I just can't stand around. So I get closer and the closer I get, the better it sounds. My mind starts to activate. Rhymes collaborate. Because when I heard the beat, I just had to make something from the top of my head. So I fell into the groove of the wax and I said, how can I move the crowd? First of all, ain't no mistakes allowed. That's pure poetry, man. Poetry in itself, yes. Come on, don't be sleeping on young people because they ain't got the proper education, because they don't have the formal schooling. Yeah, but people with PhDs writing books, writing books about them. About them. Yeah, so... Exactly, and you keep up that good work, sir. Thank you, and brother. it's been a pleasure having you on Need None Filter, man. I would love to have you back on one day again soon, right. but Anytime. it's been an honor. You keep up all the positive things you're doing out here, man, for our kind, our people, um, spreading the word, um, injustices and things that's going on, man. And you will continue to be blessed beyond your years, man. Um, thank you. My hat's off to you. Thank you, sir. And God bless you, man. Let's get back on this thing. Thank you, bro. I look forward to it, man. Let's, uh, yes, let's sir. definitely, whenever you want me back on, I'm here. Of course. Thank you. God bless you.